Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Emmett Condon, one of the hardest working people in Irish music. He's one part of Homebeat, which, as the name suggests, started out as kind of a promoter putting on gigs in homes. It's grown quite a lot since then. They've put on a lot of shows over the years since forming in, I think it was 2011. They've put on Bantam a lot of times for album launches and they put it on in special places. They've been in D-Light Studios with Joffreder and Talos. They've put on so many other gigs over the years. They do these future-proof shows with Nile or Nine. The last one happened uh, at the start of June and featured Ships Cinema, who I heard was absolutely amazing, and uh, Joshua Burnside. So they do really, really good things. And for the past four years, they've done... Well, for the past three years, they've done a festival with happenings called Another Love Story. This is going to be the fourth edition of it, taking place on the weekend of the uh, 18th... 18th, 19th, and 20th of uh, August. And they've just announced the full lineup. David Kittenbander headlining. Richie Egan is going to be in the band, so I'm very excited about that. Katie Kim is playing Overhead the Albatross, Joffreder, I Am I am the Cosmos, one of my favourite live bands. They play so, so little that I'm, oh, I'm going to enjoy that one. Bantam L, Replete, Kino Kevon from Montev Tool is DJing at it as well. The last time that I saw him was at one of my good friend's weddings. So very excited about that. So I got to chat to Emmett about like just the logistics of putting on a festival and what goes into it and how Homebeat started, how another love story got started, the way that Homebeat kind of goes along the journey with bands. A lot of the bands who are playing this festival have played previous homebeat shows. The likes of Carriages, who Emmett also says they're starting a late uh, homebeat or starting a homebeat label and Carriages is going to be the first release. It's going to be a 10-inch release, so that's very exciting. So we talk about that and we talk about lots of other things like creative spaces and how they're pushed and their kind of effect on Homebeat and the way that Emmett is always kind of looking out for different venues where he can put on different shows. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a really interesting chat. I really enjoy talking to Emmett. I'm really looking forward to going to another love story. I feel kind of bad about talking to it because it's sold out. It's really, really small. It's only like five or 600 people, I think. And it's already sold out, so I feel bad. But if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, this sounds like the greatest festival ever. Well, I guess there's always 2018. So, yeah, here we go. This is uh, The Point of Everything and Emmett Condon from Homebeat. So this is the uh, the fourth year of Another Love Story. Like, are, are you surprised that you've reached a fourth year and what have you learned? That's a nice, easy question, I think, to start things off. <laughs> um... Am I surprised? Um, I suppose we aren't. We are. We aren't. I think. I think what we're surprised by is day one. I suppose we tried to set it up with the intention of doing something. Um, I suppose small and special and kind of. It came about out of just a chat, really, in a car, really, when we were saying that some of the bigger festivals had felt like they were kind of ordeals for us um, <laughs> and our friends at our advanced stage of life, pretty much. Um, so I suppose more thing that's, that's always been surprising that was surprising day one was the fact that people got this, the feeling of it so much. Sorry, that's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> sure, people, sure, the dog. 
that's the dog, yeah, shaking itself. Um, but yeah, it's just that people got, I suppose, the heart of it and the feeling of it really instantly year one. Um, and I think by the Sunday of the first year, like we kind of felt like we had something or the message that we were trying to get across really got across. So um, I think that's been the endearing feeling of it that people have taken that kind of message. And that's not being, um, you know, I suppose pretentious about it or saying it's it's anything that it's not. It's just a small, nicely formed thing that's that's really based on the fact of the trust that um, that the personal family who, who led us onto their grounds gave to us to do the thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that feeling is a surprising thing more than I suppose um, the fact that we've gotten to year four. I suppose from that first kind of weekend, we kind of felt like this is something we wanted to keep going, and it's kind of grown. Um, you know, in little small installments along the way. So, and I suppose as happenings and Homebeat have kind of kept trucking along throughout those years, it's kind of just felt like a very natural kind of progression. So, surprise, no, but delighted, very much so. Yeah. I mean, tickets for this year sold out so quickly. Uh, you'd have to have been on the ball to kind of get them in time. I think we did that. Kind of take you aback. Um. I suppose would I no again like without being um, in any way kind of like big headed about it or anything. No, look, it's a really small thing, you know. Capacity is small at it. Um, it's always been our intention that you know instead of making big massive leaps, that the thing would grow bit by bit. And again, I think it's just come naturally with the progression of things like happenings on Homebeat. Um, uh, that it's just kind of naturally went along. Like we did a couple of New Year's parties, which gave it a bit of exposure as well, and. Um, so we kind of knew kind of from very early on when tickets went on sale like every year we put the tickets on sale to the people who've been with us already first and there was such a big reaction to that that we kind of well you know we didn't know but you kind of get a feeling that well if it keeps going that way it's going to go pretty quickly once it goes to public sale so um, so yeah no, we're delighted absolutely delighted um, and yeah sure astounded by the fact that it went so quick and the fact that there's so many people looking um, <laughs> it's such a small thing and we haven't gone out of our way to publicise it because it's a small thing and um, I think where their mouth was always our intention with it and it's great that it's kind of it's great that it's motoring along as it is it does kind of feel like an almost like a word of mouth kind of secret of a festival, which is which does kind of fly in in the face of all the other festivals, which you which you kind of mentioned earlier. Like, were you thinking like, okay, we should we should go bigger, or were you always just like you know just step by step? No, I think we were like we like of course look the temptation with that thing that's kind of. Um, uh, in inverted commas, successful, or, <laughs> or, um, or has, 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 is gaining a bit of popularity is, uh, of course, you know, the, the kind of done thing with festivals is to expand things. Um, I, I think our intention is always for this to keep this, um, so, you know, selective in size um, and, and, and not to, not to grow beyond well, I think when you go beyond a certain size, you lose a certain amount of specialness. And the whole idea with this all along was that to create that thing that didn't do that. Um, so very much our idea is to try as much as we can to keep the scale of it while keeping the quality of it really high, you know. Um, that's kind of our intention with it, pretty much. And so, like, for people like me who haven't been to Another Love Story before, what can we expect? Um, what can you expect? Uh, I suppose... It, it, the scale again like without getting stuck on the scale of it like that's kind of the main thing that it's a much smaller 
much tighter thing. Uh, you know, the car car park and the campsite are right next to each other. And then obviously you have the absolutely stunning Kaline Manor, which is a beautiful 18th century manor house uh, set in kind of beautiful verdant countryside just outside uh, outside Kinnegad in County Meath. Um, and luckily enough, uh, they did thankfully build a ballroom at the back of the house that, <laughs> that instead of uh, instead of a, instead of a sitting room or anything like that, they went full size and they built a ballroom. So uh, that's the main stage of the event. So it's really, I suppose, it's the specialness of the place. And I think, again, it's the sense that the family have kind of led us into their home and it's that trust and it's a very, that makes it a very intimate thing. Um, you know, Roland and Zoe and the kids are, are there with us for the weekend. Um, they're dear friends of ours at this stage. Um, and they're, it's that trust is really the cornerstone of the whole festival. Um, and I think that creates a certain respect. Um, it's not a, it's, it's not a fantasy escape land that's been made up for a weekend. It's somewhere where people go to kind of, get away from their lives, of course, and have a break, but also to spend time with each other in a really beautiful place. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a real family's home. So I think that's a key difference with Not Love Story to maybe some of the other festivals that kind of sell you a sense of escapism from your life. And I think we're promoting that, of course, in a sense, but I think there's a sense of realness at, at the foundation of it, which is a slightly different approach. Um, and I think that creates a different atmosphere. Yeah. How how did you um find the manor? How did you get to use it in the first place? Um, the manor kind of found us, really, to be honest. Um, <laughs> basically, um, it's, it, there's a long story about the history of it, but uh, basically, um, some friends of ours had stayed with them in a, on Airbnb, kind of, and got chatting to them. And we kind of had friends in common and stuff like that. Um, and it just came about very naturally. It was just kind of a chat and kind of as about the same time as we were kind of thinking we wanted to do something like this um so it was fate i suppose <laughs> if you want to be romantic about it um but yeah like i mean in, in any i think in any kind of um especially with homebeat i suppose you know a lot of the stuff we try to do is in kind of spaces that are not necessarily distinctly music spaces so a lot of the relationships and a lot of the events let's say even with let's say delight studios or things like Science Gallery come from just kind of come very naturally just from kind of relationships and chats over over a pint somewhere or you know uh, kind of friends of friends um, and things kind of naturally grow through that so that's very much what happened with another love story and you're really lucky um, and like even the fact that we get to spend time there ourselves um, it's a long way from Newcastle West from where I was Grown up and <laughs> and reared oh, yeah. to be spending time in a in a country manor <laughs> in the middle of County Meath. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great thing. So so you just mentioned there the uh, like the first time that you started talking about like putting on something like this. I mean, did you have other ideas floating around, or was it always kind of like like a three day weekend festival that's different from the rest? Um, no, I think we had like we had a we had a concept. I think really more than anything, um, and everything else kind of just took care of itself. Very much the idea of the days was very much the idea that, um, again, going with the idea of trying to create something with a kind of ethos. Um, one of the corners of that ethos was to try and send people home having had a great time, but not being absolutely banjaxed. <laughs> so, so like you know. Um, we're, we're certainly up for a party and we're certainly up for a good time. But again, the fact that it is someone's home and the fact that it ends at six o'clock on Sunday, like very much the idea with Sunday is that it's kind of a gentle wind down. You know, people are free to have 
uh, a few cans or whatever they want to have, but there's always a few designated drivers, which kind of takes the the kind of crazy edge out of Sunday. Um, Sunday is kind of a more family day, I suppose. Um, so very much the idea was that it would be instead of three full days and nights, it would be like your Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday wind down and then people go home and get up and go to work. Yeah, tired, but like not destroyed, you know, and that's definitely part of the concept of the festival that we're trying to send people home <laughs> in some kind of shape. Um, you know, restorative is probably not the word for a, a festival, but I guess we're trying to, we're just trying to add some sort of break in proceedings. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's as much, that's as much for the people who come as it is for ourselves and our crew, obviously, and everybody else who's involved. So, yeah. There are like, like wellness and fitness weekend festivals now as well that are like, like selling so well. So maybe that's kind of the restorative festivals that people need to go to if that's what they're after. Yeah. Rather yeah, than a music festival. I suppose like, sure, look, I mean, there's been a massive growth in all things that side, you know, between people's like doing yoga or even just the simple act of cycling. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say our, uh, our intentions or our thoughts are, are massively, um, you know, outside the general thinking that's going on anyway, you know, we're not, uh, not in any way geniuses by just coming up with an idea like that or outside the general influence. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think it's gener- generally part of the zeitgeist that's going on at the moment. And I suppose to you as the general festival going kind of, crowd probably mature a bit um you know maybe previously people went to fela in their in their late teens early 20s and then maybe stopped going to festivals sure obviously you know i'm in my late 30s all our friends are not showing any signs of, of slowing down in terms of going to festivals which is great but definitely of course life changes people have more responsibilities people have kids um, in general the crowd would tend to be a little bit older another love story than it would be maybe at some of the other festivals um but even i think body and soul this year kind of raised the age from 18 to 21 maybe I'm not sure if that was a entirely official thing or not but right. I think it was I think it was actually um but you know I, I suppose that's all part of all that kind of lifestyle kind of change that's happening and of course um entertainment and whatever you're offering in terms of um of that kind of thing you know changes and, and grows with people as they move through their lives so yeah I think that's kind of the general root of that D- um what about other festivals? Like there, there are so many. It seems like there's one on every weekend in Ireland, and like without bad mouthing them or anything like that, it sounds like you've kind of maybe had enough of them. Um, I wouldn't say had enough really. Um, I would say just that our well, me personally, I suppose I came really late to festivals. Actually, like I, um, I was probably like I was probably in my mid twenties before I really started going to festivals and had travelled a bit and had come back and. You know, obviously, got absolutely caught up in the excitement of the of the first. Like, I'd been to you know oxygen and all that kind of stuff, and then I'd been away, travelled a bit, and had come back, and then really got into things like Electric Picnic and Body and Soul as I was really taken off. And um, they're all really amazing festivals. I think Electric Picnic for me probably has, well, in the interim, I think became a very unruly kind of thing. I think now what goes on at it is that you've got possibly three different festivals that cater perfectly for the three different crowds maybe the younger crowd the people who are into more mainstream stuff and then kind of again back to the kind of body and soul kind of element which is a bit softer a bit more diverse musically um but i kind of feel when i go to the picnic now that, that everyone kind of sticks to their own corner a bit and the crowds kind of move around each other in concentric circles kind of without ever really 
maybe they maybe they you know cross paths at the bigger stuff at the main stage from time to time um you know maybe like something like grace jones or even um the, the beastie boys played up not the beastie boys um someone like a a big West Coast rap, rap group played last year. I can't remember, but but you know, I think I think Electric Picnic is now all things to all men. I actually think it does it really, really well. Actually, in the last couple of years, um, so I wouldn't say I'm sick of other festivals. I just think we're trying to keep the thing we have small, small and special all the time. You know, uh, what uh, what year of oxygen did you go to? Can you remember? Oh God, I think uh, I think I was at a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is the clearest memory? What year would it have been? Um, gosh, I would hazard a guess at around 2000 or something like that. Or oh, okay, back when it was Witness. But, yeah, I think Witness probably. I think I was there for Witness. Um, and I definitely, I, I was there for the Fabled Arcade Fire kind of year, whatever year that was. Um, and I think I was there for maybe one or two before that, if that's accurate. But it's pretty, that's pretty, it's going back into the annals. I'm showing my age now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Fela earlier. I was going to ask for you at Fela. No, I was yeah. I was at the Trip to Tip, um, which was, I think, my first big kind of outdoor concert experience. I think Kula Shaker played. Um, <laughs> back in 1990, 1996 or something, was it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was at Trip Tip. I went to see, I think, Oasis and Parky Creeve and The Prodigy. Um, and I was, I had a ticket for REM in Slane. And we were about to sneak off on the bus from Newcastle West. Um, and then my mum and my friend's mum found out the day before and we couldn't go. So that's my biggest regret. I still still have that REM at Slane ticket uh, oh, <laughs> in my drawer at home, I think. Uh, um but yeah, I mean, like it's it's the festival thing has become so much more sophisticated since then, you know. And I think increasingly the idea of just banging a load of bands into a field with a bunch of burger and chip vans, you know, isn't really. It, it, it there are festivals like that, and they do have their audience. Um, but I think, yeah, personally, I suppose I would have seen things progress a little bit beyond that musically and in terms of production and in terms of what the festival is offering people in terms of an experience. I suppose we're trying to keep another love story, um, you know, as progressive in those terms as we can, you know, and again, without, you know, it's a small thing. There's only so much we can do with it. Um, but I think we're trying to make sure that the quality of it is high all the time. Um, and that's our driving kind of force in organizing it and, and how we program it. Um, so yeah, that's just about keeping the thing moving forward really. Yeah, I th- like I'm obviously a fan and just looking at the at the lineup for this year, like I think it's it's a really good lineup as well. Like Katie Kim, Overhead the Albatross, uh, This Is How We Fly, I Am the Cosmos, Phantom. There's a lot of familiar names in there. There'll be names that are, are new to a lot of people as well. And that's one of the things, just like not to badmouth other festivals or something, but sometimes, you know, it's quite a predominant Irish uh, lineup at Another Love Story. And other festivals do kind of do that but it always seems kind of shunted in a little bit it's kind of like the last minute thing you know oh yeah we'll put all the irish bands in this corner i don't know if i, I don't know if you think that but um yeah i certainly feel like i feel like we have a responsibility um and i think again the kind of you know you talked about surprise earlier on like i suppose the really nice realization is when you're three or four years in is that you have a platform that's that's kind of you know that's there to be exploited and very much my thought would be 
that that product form should be used to give the amazing Irish acts that we do have and that we hope to get in the future, um, you know, a place to play. Um, in terms of programming, very much the idea is balance. Um, so it's not about a certain headliner or it's not about um, it's not about getting a big name act. I guess that's my big that's my big thing about the other bigger festivals. I feel like they just kind of throw bands on at times without any thought to um, a flow or a sense of um, you know progression through the day. It's just put big name, big name, big name, big name, big name. And yeah, the Irish acts kind of just get squeezed in very often on the bigger stages and kind of lost. But I think again, it's a scale thing. Like you know, we have the idea with this is that it's balanced so that each act and that means from you know the smallest new band that you might not have heard of to let's say two overhead the albatross or katie kim or this is how we fly that they all have an equal experience that if we program things correctly um and place them in the right place of how the energy of the day will go that they should have a great gig and that the audience will have a great experience with them so Again, it's it's trying to be mindful of where things are placed and not just throwing names at it. And like when it's small, we don't have the budget to to get the huger acts. But you know, I think I'd be very much of the opinion that like you know, Katie Kim is as powerful as anything you will see in any big stage anywhere. And, and and likewise with I Am the Cosmos, I've been trying to get them for a few years. I'm really excited about having them. Um, they don't play a lot of gigs, yeah. but I I think they're an amazing, amazing um, band. And likewise with Ships. We've had a great year. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing ships, but I'm also really looking forward to seeing floor staff who've kind of come back for a little while playing the little front room. Um, and there's loads of other bits and bobs that'll happen throughout the weekend. Um, you know, loads of our crew are amazing DJs and they kind of take over the shift shack, the little um, the little rave cave we have <laughs> on site. It's a little pigeon house um, that we deck out with a load of, um, with a load of, I think last year we had something like 14 addressable LEDs, a smoke machine, a strobe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically like, you know, your kitchen with um, with a load of amazingly programmed lights by algorithms. So that's great fun. But they're like, they're all incredible DJs. Um, I, I really genuinely think that they're as good as any, as you'll see anywhere. So I guess, yeah, we we, we definitely try and, and give the Irish bands, you know, the best best kind of platform for them to show themselves in um because I, I really genuinely think they're as good as any, as you'll see anywhere else um i mean bantam is another one you know he's got a new live show with Letizia and we had it at reckless and love by in soul and it's like you know it's astounding and like um yeah there is they're as good as anyone you'll see from anywhere and i would love to see the bigger festivals give people like bantam or you know i am the cosmos that platform but then you know obviously it comes down to the fact that unfortunately the truth of it is that bantam and i and the cosmos aren't going to sell you fifteen thousand tickets that's the unfortunate truth of it you know um so that's a wider question about the irish music industry and and how ireland treats its own artists um publicly and supports them you know we don't have um we don't have, let's say, the touring um, ability in the country, like let's say a band from Australia has, where like a band or someone like, let's say, Bantam could play like probably a 15-stop tour across Australia. Um, you know, there's whatever 30 or 40 million people living there. We don't have that, so it's difficult too. I, I like I would I would be I wouldn't be critical of the bigger festivals entirely because you know having to sell that many tickets means you have to get names that people will come and see that's just the honest truth yeah 
Um, like just talking about the bands there, uh, like it seems like a lot of them have kind of or Homebeat have kind of followed a lot of them around the place as well. Like you've put on, have you like have you put on everybody that you're actually putting on at another love story? Have you put them on like at other separate Homebeat gigs? Um, have I put them all on? I'd have to look through it really to tell you the honest answer to that. But I suppose yeah, I suppose it's um. Uh, <laughs> my friends and my girlfriend would probably tell you I'm a creature of habit anyway so um, I suppose I'm someone who finds what he likes and kind of sticks with it a bit but yeah yeah certainly um, I suppose another love story is a chance for me to you know to certainly again like give those bands a, a platform or a more substantial platform across the weekend um, so it tends to be, yeah, we tend to have acts that we work with, um, even like, let's say, Jeff Reader, we've done some stuff with before, and Lambert last year, and likewise, um, it goes down to Carriages, who actually we're going to release a record with in September, it'll be our first release as a label, um, an, EP, an EP, so that's the next mad step <laughs> in the plan, so yeah, um, and likewise, let's say we're going to release something with actually later on in the year as well, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really lovely to keep a sense of family about it. Um, Homebeat started off very much again as a really intimate small thing and it's still a small thing. You know, most of the gigs we do are kind of small to medium sized. Um, so it's lovely to get a chance to kind of keep those relationships going and develop them further with something like another love story. Does Homebeat kind of feel like part of the, the like Irish music furniture at the moment, do you think? Um, um, no, that's not a criticism. I hope that doesn't no, come across no, no, as a no, criticism. No, 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 across, oh, no, sure. Oh, you're part of the furniture I, I, now. I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd be honoured if it did feel like any part of a, a corner of a small tarted couch somewhere. And it <laughs> up. Um, I like, don't know. Like it, it started off like as, as a sense, as a series of house concerts that like me and some of friends kind of just started because I guess we weren't in any way connected to the music scene at all, you know. So we just did it just to start something and I suppose like I would always kind of feel I would always feel like you know and not in a cool sense but I would always still feel like Homebeat is kind of a bit of an outsider and thing um but I suppose look it's got its own little I mean it's it's going six years now in November wow um we've had the chance to do some amazing things I've you know put on gigs and done a few things and played some DJ sets that I would have never in my wildest dreams six or seven years ago thought I would ever have done so it's it's carved out <laughs> some little corner somewhere along the line and, and it's great that it's going still so um it would be lovely to think if it was part of the furniture and I suppose hopefully it's seen as that way to some degree but sure look it's a small thing um and and who knows where it goes next unless carriages sell a million of the EP then maybe then maybe we're established at that stage I don't know <laughs> just before we talk about the EP like um uh, like Homebeat is kind of putting on gigs in interesting different spaces. Is yeah. is it like, uh, can you actually, or are you always kind of going into a new place in Dublin that you've heard of opening and you're just like, oh, maybe, maybe we could do something here. Like, are you always kind of on when you're stepping into a, a place? Um, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's, that's something that's happened kind of as a default from, from the thing. Um, I think like, the, you know the house concert thing was the initial move but i think it was mabos i don't know if you you'd ever made it there um the space that was down where the airbnb have their headquarters now actually um but i think that was the space that was the thing that really changed my view or, or gave i suppose homebeat as, as as it is now it's kind of 
its kind of focus on alternative spaces. Um, that was just a magic place. And I think that gave me the opportunity to learn how to kind of play with a space and to move people around a space. And the idea of programming things with a flow in between different spaces in a larger space is the thing that really excites me. Like, you know, I suppose going to another love story, that's the thing that I really enjoy. It's kind of that balance that we talked about in programming and a sense of flow. So definitely, yeah, that kind of, once you've had a taste of that and that's the thing that you're chasing, um, yeah, I, I walk into, you know, if there's any sort of factory space or <laughs> a larger warehouse space that I managed to kind of uh, steal my, my way into for a little while, my, my mind certainly gets working. Um, and likewise, yeah, traveling, it's definitely, you know, walking around somewhere like Berlin that is amazing spaces or London or any of those cities where you're like, wow, like they have such a wealth of space that probably we are losing very quickly in Dublin. They're losing it there too, but I think they probably have a bigger volume. Um, but yeah, definitely on any given night walking around Dublin, my eyes are definitely open to the opportunity, certainly, yeah. Or Cork for that matter. Is, is that kind of um, something that you've noticed more and more now? Like it was this, like Mabos, it was this amazing like art space for, for creative people. And oh wait, now there's a tech giant in there. Are you kind of seeing that more and more around Dublin? Yeah, yeah of course. Like, I mean, it's well documented. Um, whether you call it gentrification or whatever you call it, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely happening. And I would have been very vocal about it. I think given my um, experience in Mabos that... You know, these, these spaces are not just bricks and mortar. They're places where, you know, artists come together. Um, they come together with people who aren't artists. They meet, uh, you know, they cross-pollinate, you know, so much. Not only, like, not only like on a, on a very basic level, like, small-scale employment happens out of them, but, like, so much artistic endeavor is founded on those encounters. It's, again, it's like what I said about um, Homebeat and Another Love Story, you know, lots of those relationships come from places like Mabos or or those kind of art spaces where people just meet and chat and maybe work together for a few days or a few months and something comes out of it and then down the line a bigger thing comes out of it like, so there's just no like there's no quantifying the value of these spaces in a city like Dublin or Cork or Limerick or a small town like anywhere like I know um one of the lads in Waterford, Stefan has just set up from Labyrinth, has just set up the Waterford Arts Centre, which is an amazing initiative down there. Um, and these spaces are incubators for creativity. Um, they're, they're the banks of creativity that go on to pay out in later years. Those small relationships, you know, lead to employment down the line for people. So, like, it's it's not just a space to go out and party. It's not just a space to hold something, even though that element of, of it at its very essence, is really important also. It's much more than that. Uh, and Mabos has created, you know, um, a legacy that still endures today. I know, like, let's say um, Google are going to bring this uh, tilt brush technology down to another love story. It's like a virtual reality drawing program. It's an amazing thing. Um, but the reason that's coming is because I met the guy at Mabos like four or five years ago, and we're still kind of friends and chat every now and then. And, you know, so that's just a really small example of how things roll. Similarly with Letitia, who does all the production mapping um, and the book in the ballroom and stuff like that? That's a relationship that came from Mabos. So they're they're definitely being squeezed out, but it's well documented. Um, like until there's some sort of policy at national level or city level that's going to protect artists and protect spaces, it's going to keep happening. But I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's happening in Berlin and London and Cork and Dublin. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 kind of the tale of our times at the moment. Um, and it's definitely changed the fabric of Dublin, I think, for the worse. 
I think it'll continue to do so until somebody does something about it, like things like Homebeat. Um, you know, and loads of people are putting on gigs in, in different spaces these days. And it's just a different experience. It's, it's a different way of um, experiencing culture. It's a different way of going out that's not just based on, like you're not in a space that's primarily trying to sell drink and then as a secondary thing put on music. Um, it puts the focus on the artistry first and the experience. Um, and that's a very different way of, of having a night out than going to, let's say, Greenlands, which is grand. Greenlands absolutely fine. But, you know, it's a bar, first of all, in my mind, <laughs> venue second, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> I come at it at a more kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't go there every night or every week or something. So it's always kind of like, oh, we'll go to Wheelands, it'll be grand. But yeah, I know what you're talking about when it. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm not being critical of Wheelands as a as a venue. Like that's done as much, if not more, to support bands over the years. You know, of course it has and continues to do so. But I, I just think, you know, there's just plenty of that, and that's kind of protected. Then why aren't the other things protected? I know, I know that's a case of you know, licensing and all sorts of stuff like that. It's not a simple question, um, but. There's definitely a gap forming, and it's harder and harder and harder to find spaces. Um, you know, probably Delight Studios is probably the one place where we go back to again and again because they fought really, really hard and really cleverly to keep the space they have. Um, so that's that's one of the places we're lucky enough to have a really strong relationship that's left. But like, it's you know, it's certainly not certain that it'll be there forever. Um, and when all of those places are gone, um, there's a certain amount of uh, I don't know, standardization that happens across, you know, the other things. You lose a certain bit of color that makes the city really special. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a pity to see that happening, but I'm not sure what the answer is right now. Uh, D-Light Studios is where James Vincent McMorrow put on the kind of the, his his new album, True Carey, kind of performed it live for the first time there and streamed it on Facebook, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed, yeah. Now, I will say we've been there for a few years before him, so it did exist long before James Vincent oh, okay. got there. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's no, I'm only, I'm only joking. But obviously, that's brilliant for them, uh, really brilliant. Um, and I, I've, I've bumped into him once or twice. He seems a really nice chap, so I'm, not, I'm only joking. But um, <laughs> um, no, yeah, it was great and great for the studio to see them get their kind of just rewards in terms of, you know, um, a bit of coverage on an international scale. Like, it's a stunning venue. It's an old woolen mill. It's kind of right in the middle of kind of a place where most people probably wouldn't venture too often in, in, up in the north side near Connolly Station, um, which means it's a bit of an adventure for people to go there, which is also nice, I think. Um, and Stace and Agata and all the crew in there are, like, doing tireless work to keep it open and improve it and, and uh and keep a space like that that is a blank canvas for people whether it's James Vincent McMorrow or ourselves or you know any of the collectives who use it um so it's yeah it's a brilliant space and that was that looked like I didn't make it actually that evening but it looked absolutely brilliant um so tell me about the Homebe label this sounds like it's it's something that's been brewing for a while is it um it has been brewing for a while it kind of has I guess um Going back to what you said about working with a few people along the way, I guess Carriages would be one of the bands we would have kind of been really, really close friends with from the get-go. And I suppose musically, my taste kind of tends to go somewhere from kind of folk, kind of skips over a lot of kind of heavier rock stuff into kind of electronica. And Carriages are kind of the perfect amalgamation of both of those things. Um, 
So yeah, we just we just been chatting for the last while and kind of really it was just about saying to someone like Carriages that look if you're going to release something, let's do it together and make a slightly bigger story out of it. Um, it seems to me like so many bands at that level kind of you know worked tirelessly for a couple of years to maybe pull a record together or even an EP and then they kind of get there one day in the sun on a blog and maybe a review in the Irish Times if they're really 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 lucky and the thing kind of vanishes. So I suppose. Um, there's no great plan from my side about it except to kind of try and help to support the music I like um, and get it out there. I, I didn't have like uh, I didn't have a dream to start a label or anything like that, but it just seems like an obvious thing to do when we have the opportunity to do it. So really, it's about working with friends and just helping helping them out and them kind of and that's a nice that's nice to add something else to homebeat to keep the thing fresh and. We were kind of, uh, when 34 closed a couple of months ago, we were kind of lacking in an absolutely mad bonkers project. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's important, it seems, to keep something kind of that doesn't make sense in terms of time or money or effort or any of those things. Um, it seems, that seems to be part of the makeup of the thing, to have something at the middle of it that that's in that fashion. Is it going to be seven inch releases? Uh, no, uh, the EP is a 10 inch um, with carriages and then the Let's Out Sale is going to be digital only. Um, it's kind of, it's just kind of on a basis by basis really at the moment. Um, I'm probably giving away this, all the secrets of what you shouldn't do as setting up a label and not telling people you don't really have a plan. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, look, really it's, really it's just about kind of following through with, with an actor you really love um, and supporting them and working with some friends and sure, look, let's see where it goes. Uh, how are carriages doing at the moment? They're they're working away, like yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah, they've kind of been sitting on a bit of music for a while. Um, these things, you know, it takes a while to get them obviously get, get the thing recorded and mastered and then pressed and artwork and all that. So um, I'd say they're probably kind of tearing at the leash to get out the door and play and play stuff live now at the stage. Um, so we're going to launch it in the Fumbly Stables on the 29th of September um, and then do a few dates around the country around that. Um, but they're doing great. Yeah, yeah. The new EP is really lovely. Um, they just have a lovely sensibility, a really nice mix of um, like Harry's kind of found sound electronica and arms. Beautiful, beautiful voice. He's got such a great timbre in his voice. Um, so yeah, they're going good. I'd say they're, they're, uh, they're looking forward to getting it out there, I'd say, at this stage. Uh, you, you sound like someone who's just got, you know, that you can't sit still. You've kind of got to have your hands in a few different plays at the time. Like we're two weeks out from another love story and you're talking about like putting out this on the label and then touring with the band. Do you, do you get much downtime, particularly in the uh, summer? Um, no, I suppose summer is, is my kind of busiest time, I suppose. But, um, I know. And like, I'd be, I came very late to all this, you know, I was kind of, 30 before Homebeat even started um, I spent my 20s kind of I suppose traveling a good bit but also kind of wondering trying to find something to stick my teeth into a lot so I would be I would still be really thinking that I'm making up for lost time a bit so and I, and I suppose anything like Homebeat or working in the music industry um, I'm lucky enough to be kind of scraping uh, a full-time living out of it and um but you know, I, I would be realistic about it too, and that you know, you can you can chase your dreams for so long, but you know, if it doesn't make sense, eventually, you're gonna have to probably grow up and get a real job like the rest of the world. Um, so I would certainly have a sense of trying to make the most of it while it's going, while absolutely intending for it to keep going for the longest time possible, and beyond that, and make a career out of it. Um, so I guess you know, just it's. Uh, 
when you're when you're working for yourself, you've got to keep whether it's you know baking like my dad or you know working in in promotions or, or events, you've got to kind of keep the foot on the floor and keep things moving. Um, so yeah, sure, no point stopping if it's going all right. Do, does the actual um pressure on art spaces in Dublin does that kind of impact on you guys as well as in like is there actually less places to play yeah of course yeah certainly yeah 100% yeah yeah I mean and that would be that would be why like having a good relationship with someone like Delight is so important because like you know there, there's only so many places you can do the thing we want to do I mean there's I mean you have to be inventive too and I suppose you can get um you can get a bit you can get a bit safe in your thinking and go back to the same venues time. And there's definitely space and there's definitely places. Um, I know like it's a vision collector who are like a techno label up here are doing some great gigs. They just played in uh, meeting house square. They did a thing in Christchurch in the crypt. So like, you know, if, if you're, if you're inventive and brave enough to go into these places, it's, it's there, but it's definitely harder. Um, and if that's your, I suppose I, I've, you know, I've messed around with other things in terms of venues and more kind of standard venues and putting gigs on in places, but I don't think it ever feels quite the same. So I suppose if you're trying to, if gigs in kind of different spaces is what Homebeat does, then yeah, it's certainly 100% that it impacts on it. Yeah. Um, ju- just coming back to another love story just before we, we wrap up, like you're in the office in Dublin at the moment now, you were saying, um, I, I kind of thought that you'd be at the festival site, like literally hands on, like cutting up. I think that I was talking to you earlier this year or something about another love story and you were talking about like literally like cutting up wood and setting up the stage and stuff like that so that's kind of where i imagine you'd be by now yeah we're not far off yeah next week next week we'll be down there for a few days and then the week after full time um yeah look it's a really small it's a really small team that put it together really it's basically just myself and peter from happenings and sam from street feast who works with us and who works who runs it as well so that's the three of us who work on it year round um uh you know we're kind of this time, about this time, we kind of start to pull in um, the wider team. But it's a really small thing, you know. It's like it's a really small, it's a really really small team. And when you have a small team that's trying to run an event to a very high standard, it means that everyone works very hands on and very hard. So um, I think like one of the things we're talking about doing this year is um, we're going to print out the name of everyone who's involved in getting it off the ground and going. Just so people who come realize the scale of work that goes into these things. And I think, you know, another love story is, is a small thing, but to be on site at Body and Solar at actually picnic for, you know, the 72 hours or the week before, like I think most people who go would have no concept of the volume of work and man hours that go into producing one of these events. It's absolutely astounding and kind of insane at the same time so it's like we're really lucky we've we've a great bunch of friends for the most part who are our crew who've all worked on festivals and stuff before whether it's on the kind of production side or the decor or um and it just it's a real cliche but it literally would not in any way happen without them so like we're really 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 lucky and it's like it's yeah it's hard work but it's also great to be working together with your friends on such a, a great project and uh, it's nice to have that single goal in a short time when you go down you get there together you spend time together and you, you bust it out and hopefully it all goes to plan and people have a nice time and maybe this year it won't rain for 35 hours in a row like it did last year oh no that, that would be really nice oh <laughs> were, were you really like nice. were you like tearing your hair out 
what's left of it, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it wasn't too bad. I, I, I went to bed um, in the manor on Saturday night while watching the tents in the campsite kind of being blown flat and upright and flat and upright again. So I wasn't in too badly out of it, but I felt pretty sorry for people. No, in fairness, um, in fairness, it, it didn't dampen the spirits one bit. Well, if it did, it didn't show a lot anyway. But um, yeah, look, all, like like always, the thing you really hope for is uh, a bit of sunshine just to make it that really relaxed, lovely experience that we know it could be. But sure, we'll take what we get at this stage. Yeah, the the sun just does amazing things for anything that's held in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it just it just adds a level of kind of relaxation, which is obviously, especially for another love story, the thing that we're really chasing. You know, it's um, that's really, really, really nice if it happens, but. Uh, fingers crossed <laughs> uh, I think that that's everything that I've got anyway Emmett um, you're probably really busy like what are you up to for the rest of the day now um, back to spreadsheets about things like toilets and um, probably more toilets and then probably a little bit more about toilets basically you know the glamour of running festivals boils down to kind of toilets really that's pretty much what it, that's pretty much outside once the music is booked and stuff it's about a few speakers and then a lot about toilets and crack like that so so, uh, so back to that for the day i'm afraid the glamour of it all yeah absolutely absolutely uh listen thanks a million for for chatting no problem one yeah pleasure